Good evening. Welcome back to Imperfectly Perfect Live. I am Trinice McNeil. I'm your host for the evening. It's a pleasure to be back before you guys. I have my followers on Instagram and on Facebook, both watching this podcast for the evening. I'm excited about tonight's topic and just what God has been doing with this I Am series and just the knowledge that he's been downloading my spirit and just wowing me with just loads of information and i have to honestly say it's been been hard for me to um kind of just minimalize you know uh my my topic and be able to just grasp take all the information and kind of just like dwindle it down a little bit because i just get excited and i just want to share everything but um my dear husband said all right you got to condense some of this stuff so that you don't lose your audience so i appreciate his advice and um just helping me uh when it comes to teaching the word of god so i thank you guys again for tuning in on both of our channels and also know that we are available on all podcast platforms google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, and more if you want to listen to any of our past podcasts or um this one from tonight this one will be available to tomorrow um for you to listen to at your convenience so let's say a word of prayer before i get any further and then we can get into tonight's topic so there heavenly father god we just thank you father for your presence first and foremost god i thank you for what you're doing god in all all of our lives god i thank you god for the opportunity to be before you, God, to be able to speak life, God, into your to your children, Father, to be able to empower them, uplift them, God, encourage them in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you move mightily tonight, God. May healing take place. May deliverance, God, freedom, God, be brought forth in the mighty name of Jesus. May they not leave this podcast the same, the Father. Holy Spirit, I ask that, God, that whatever it is you desire to say, God, that you say through me, God, as your mouthpiece, God. I count it a privilege and an honor that you chose to use me, God, for such a time as this. God, I thank you, dear Father God, that every thing God will be said God will not fall on um, deaf ears father God but they will receive it and they will not allow their hearts to be hardened so Holy Spirit simply have your way may your perfect will be done and you get all the glory honor and praise in Jesus name I pray amen all right welcome 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 for those of you that are just tuning in tonight we are continuing good, good evening Melissa welcome welcome you are Definitely one of the ones that always supports this platform, and I truly appreciate your support. I just wanted to tell you that, and I thank you so much for always watching and always sharing as well. So um, we are continuing our I Am series, and for those of you that have that are new to this platform, we started I Am series about a couple of months ago, and God just simply placed on my heart that he wanted his children, he wanted his people to know more about who he is, who he is first and foremost. And once we get to know who I Am is, which is God's self, um, self-given name, self-proclaimed name, he wanted us to begin to affirm ourselves and understand who we are in him. So when we speak I am, we are talking about our present self. We're talking about who we are in our present day, not about our past, not about our future. And for those who've been watching, I know I say this every week, but hey, it's something that we need to understand that we need to uh, reiterate every single time that we are talking about I am. And last week we talked about I am enough. We talked about I, I am enough and just to give you just a brief review of that is that we talked about people people in the bible who didn't feel like feel like they were enough 
We talked about Moses and Moses was afraid to lead God's people out of Egypt and talking about how he used excuse after excuse after excuse, talking about his speech impediment and talking about how he was afraid to go back because he um, actually murdered um, an Egyptian and that's why he flees. So he's afraid to face um, his, his past. And then we also talked about Jeremiah, how he was afraid um, and was fearful because he felt like he was too young to be a prophet. He felt like he was too young to be a prophet. We also talked about the centurion, how he felt like he was unworthy to actually just to heal the slave. Why? Because he was not a Jew. He was a Roman soldier. And he felt like he was inadequate. He felt like he was not worthy of healing from Jesus. And then also we talked about the Samaritan woman. She experienced rejection due to her past. She was known as a whoremonger. She had several husbands in her past and it was even dealing with um, someone who was not her husband. And um, she was looked down upon because she was Samaritan and a woman. And so she dealt with um, just rejection and just people looking down on her. But all of these people, all of these four people, God used them, God used them and showed them that they were enough. And that to show us that in spite of, in spite of our imperfections, in spite of different things, inadequacies, that we are enough, that we are enough. And we talked about things to remember when you feel like you're enough. We talked about that God said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Number two, we said that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Number three, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Number four, we are God's masterpiece. So those four things, just remembering, if you did not see last week's podcast, please, whatever you do, go back, go back to last week's podcast. It's available on our Facebook page. It's available on our Instagram page. It's also available on all of our podcast platforms. It blessed me to be able to share that message. And also it definitely encouraged me because the messenger always receives the message first. So I encourage you to go back, watch it, get it into your spirit and start declaring the cream that you are enough. Declare and decree that you are enough. So without further ado, let's get into, oh, thank you, Courtney. <laughs> let's get into tonight's topic, which is I am free. I am free. and. I, I'm just excited to share this because just the knowledge that God has been sharing with me, and I already mentioned that it's been hard for me to contain and just, you know, condense it all. But um, with the Holy Spirit's help, um, I'm going to share with you just, just the fall, the fall of man, why we are declaring now, we are reclaiming our freedom because about this series is that every time God has given me something to say, I am, we talked about, I am healed. We talked about, I am enough. We talked about that, um, that I am chosen. And the reason why God is declaring the creed who we are presently is because we have lost sight of who we are. So now we are regaining, we are reclaiming what God has already declared in the creed that we are, who God already said that we are. So now we're going to understand, we're understanding the root of why, why do I have to reclaim somewhere down the line, we lost our freedom somewhere down the line, we um, lost sight of who we are, we lost sight of the, the free person that we are. So I am free. That is our topic for tonight. 
what does free mean? Free means free, free means release from captivity, confinement, or slavery. Release from captivity, confinement, or slavery. And so I really, with me, like I, I go deeper when it comes to definitions. I'm like, okay, God, if you have certain words and every, you can't assume that everybody knows what words mean. So I went further and I said, okay, what does confinement or the root word of confinement is confined? It means the borders. One second, let me click that right quick. It means the borders or boundaries of a place especially with regard to their restricting freedom of movement. So we're talking about free, release from captivity, confinement, or slavery, meaning that there are borders, it's restrictions blocking us from being free. And there, that means that we can be um, bound in our mind, we can be bound in our heart, we can be bound in our spirit. In, in just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, we talked about I am healed, and we broke down just the different types of healing. So we already understand that we can be um, that we can be bound in our heart, be bound in our mind, be bound in our spirit, be bound in our body, having um, a sickness or um, having disease, be bound in that area. So there's different things that we can be free from. And so we're going to get into tonight. What is the root cause of us not being free? At one point in our lives, did we lose our freedom? So let's go back to the beginning. The fall of man. The fall of man where we, where we lost our freedom. All the way back. To Adam and Eve. All the way back to the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And in the beginning, I'm going to go to my notes, make sure I'm following. <laughs> God gave man authority to rule over the earth. God created, you know, all of creation in a matter of six days and he rested on the seventh. But in Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28, in the Amplified Version, I'm going to go there right quick. Just to give you just a groundwork of where I'm going, it says, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, talking about the Trinity, make man in our image. When God says man, he's talking about humanity. Man is not talking about our gender. That's when you, when you break that down, it's talking about male and female, but man is talking about all humanity. Let's make man in our image according to our likeness, not physical but a spiritual personality and moral likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle and over the entire earth and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image and likeness of God. He created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them, granting them certain authority and said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subjugate. And subjugate it, putting it under your power and rule over, dominate the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and every living thing that moves upon the earth. So again, God in the beginning, he created us and gave us authority. We had freedom. We had authority over every living thing. And then God 
once he created Adam, once he breathed life into Adam in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, and then he created Eve out of the rib, out of Adam. And he declared, and then he put them in the garden. He put them in the garden. He established them. He gave them a place to live in the garden of Eden. So in Genesis chapter two, verse 15 through 25, just follow me, follow me. I'm getting, going somewhere here. Genesis two, verse 15 through 25 in the Amplified Version. It says, so the Lord God took the man he had made and settled him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may freely unconditionally eat the fruit from every tree of the garden, but only from the tree of the knowledge recognition of good and evil you shall not eat. Otherwise, on the day that you eat from it, you shall most certainly die because of your disobedience. So let's just pause here. Remember this, that God told Adam that he can eat of any tree in the garden of Eden, but set for the tree of knowledge and of, of knowledge of good and evil. It was a reason why God told him not to eat this tree. And he said, you will surely die. So those were the instructions that God gave Adam. And just to give you a preview, God honors obedience. God honors obedience. So it was important that Adam followed those instructions. Continuing on with the scripture. In verse 18 of uh, Genesis 2, it says, Now the Lord God said, It is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balance him, balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Excuse me. So the Lord God formed out of the ground every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper that was suitable, a companion for him. So Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he had made fashion, formed into a woman. And he brought her and presented her to the man. Then Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Listen to this verse. And the man and his wife, verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed or embarrassed. Now, this is where I want to go here. Because nakedness. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed because they had a clean slate. God created them without sin. They had never, never committed sin. They had never been disobedient to God. So therefore, they were, they were unashamed of their nakedness. What does nakedness associate with in the Bible? Nakedness, when you read of nakedness in the word of God, it is associated with innocence, defenselessness, vulnerability, helplessness, humiliation, shame, guilt, or judgment. In the Merriam Dictionary, naked means defenseless, unprotected, 
expose uncovered, excuse me. So in verse 25, again, where it says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed or embarrassed. This particular part at the very end where it says we're, we're not ashamed or embarrassed was important to say. Why? Again, because we know that nakedness in the word of God is associated, sometimes can be associated with shame, guilt, humiliation, or judgment. But in this context, God shines light on Adam and Eve's innocence and purity. They were free from committing sin. When we are disobedient to God, we commit sin. And this is why God illustrated when he put Adam and he established him to be in the Garden of Eden. He said, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can have anything you can eat from any tree. And I'm sure there were plenty of trees that Adam, God set Adam up. He made sure that he had everything he needed. And it was this one tree that he said, do not eat of. So he can have anything else he wanted, but not that one. So it was important for him to be obedient to God. So again, they were naked, but not ashamed or embarrassed. So furthermore, the fall of man happens in Genesis chapter 3. It happens in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. Where the enemy, the serpent, Satan, <laughs> tempts, tempts the woman. And at this point, she doesn't have a name. Her name is not Eve yet. She, her name is, um, is woman right now. So he tempts the woman. So in verse 1, just follow me, of Genesis chapter 3. It says, the title says, The Fall of Man. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God said, you shall not eat from it nor touch it, otherwise you will die. Here comes Satan with his crafty self. Verse 4 says, but the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. So this is the enemy right here. The enemy is a master of manipulation. He's a deceiver. He's a cheat. He's a liar. And he himself got kicked out of heaven. Why? Because he was trying to be like God. He wanted all of the attention on himself. He wanted all glory on himself. He didn't understand that how, how am I the minister of music where he set the atmosphere in heaven. He was the angel that set the atmosphere, a musician. I mean, he had harps attached to him. I mean, all instruments. He was an instrument. He set the atmosphere in heaven and he was wondering, but it was supposed to be for the glory of God. 
but he understands how am I the one that is setting the atmosphere and none of the attention is going to me. So fast forward back to where we were, is that when he was tempting Eve, he wanted to convince her that what he wanted that she could have. So he said again, he said in verse four, it says, but the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when a woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was Adam, with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of the two of them were opened. That is, their awareness increased and they knew that they were naked. And they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Let's pause right here. So we just talked about nakedness, right? And talking about the association and the word of God about nakedness is talking about it can either be innocence, defenselessness, vulnerability, helplessness, humiliation, shame, guilt, or judgment. But in this context, we established that they were innocent. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 26, it talks about their innocence. They had not yet committed sin. Therefore, they were innocent. They were free from sin. They were free. They, they were naked, but they were not ashamed. They had not their perspective about nakedness was pure. However, they, and this is the thing, the reason why God did not want them to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil is so that they would not be aware of evil. If we, if we are an unaware of evil, then we were, are, are, are unable or help me hold it goes to how to explain this. If we were unable or unaware of evilness, then we would have no way of how to commit evil. If you don't know about a thing, how would you be able to do it? If you don't know how to ride a bike, how would you be able to do it? If you don't even know about it, if you don't know about a subject, you're un unable, you don't have an awareness, you don't have a perspective on it. You're ignorant to the thing. So God didn't want them to eat the, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because he didn't want their perspective. He didn't want their mindset to be skewed. He didn't want their mindset to be skewed. He wanted them to be focused on him. He wanted them to only know, only have knowledge of good, to only have knowledge of the things of God. Because when we have, oh, Rabbi, thank you, Holy Spirit. When we as human beings, humanity, have the fact that we have knowledge of good and evil, we have choices. We have a choice to be good or we have a choice to be evil. We have a choice to be righteous or we have a choice to be unrighteous. But if you only are aware of goodness, you will, will only choose goodness. 
my God, thank you, Holy Spirit. If you only are aware of goodness, you will only choose to do right because you have no aware of what's wrong. So now that Adam and Eve have eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, now they know of evil. And now what was once innocent, ooh, Sarabaya, thank you, Jesus. What was once innocent to them as being naked and unashamed, now they, what turns the, ne the negative part of nakedness, now they are shameful. Now they are, sh they have shame. Now they have guilt. Now they have judgment. Now they are humiliated. And furthermore, reading furthermore into the chapter, that in verse Genesis, in chapter three of Genesis, in verse seven, it says, then the eyes of the two of them were opened. That is their awareness increased. Whoosh. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And they knew that they were naked and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Made themselves covering. Going back to the word free, the meaning of free, we said that it's talking about being or actually free from confinement means that you are uncovered. You are uncovered. But now because they're not free, they put fig leaves together to cover themselves. Why? Because they were filled with guilt and shame now. They were filled with guilt and shame. Their perspective changed. Their awareness increased, as the word of God said. Verse 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze. One moment. Let me make sure you guys have that scripture. Okay. We're in Genesis, for those of you just tuning in, we're in Genesis chapter three. In verse eight, again, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze of the day. So the man and his wife hid, my God, hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now they're hiding themselves. Why do we hide ourselves? Think about it. When you do something wrong, you hide, right? Because you don't want anybody to know what you did. Why? Because you are filled with shame. They wasn't hiding themselves. They, the word of God said in Genesis 2 verse 26 that they were naked and unashamed. But now they're hiding themselves from God as if God can't see them. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He knows where they are. And it says in verse nine, but the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. That's Adam's reply. God said, who told you that you were naked? Woo! God has a way of asking us questions that when we do things wrong to see how we want to respond. Does God already know? Yes, he does. He's omniscient. He knows all things. But he wants to see our response. He wants to see if we're going to be truthful or not, how we're going to respond. So it says again, verse 11, it says, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten? He got a new. Have you eaten fruit from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, now here comes the blame. 
Now we blaming people because we don't want to take um, responsibility of our actions. Verse 12 says, and the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate it. Verse 13 says, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled and deceived me and I ate from the forbidden tree. She's blaming the serpent. Verse 14 says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than any animal of the field. On your belly you shall go, and thus you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman, and between your seed offspring and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will give birth to children. Yet your desire and longing will be for your husband and he will rule with authority over you and be responsible for you. Then to Adam, the Lord God said, because you have listened attentively to the voice of your wife and have eaten fruit from the tree about which, you I, which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. The ground is now under a curse because of you. In sorrow and toil, you shall eat the fruit of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow from you. And you shall not eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread until you return to the ground. For from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Verse 20 says, the man named his wife Eve, life's all of the living. The Lord God made tunics of animal skins for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now they needed physical clothing. They were once naked and unashamed. And they didn't need any physical clothing. Why? Because they were unaware of, of evil. And now that now that they were now that they were uh had to be covered. And spiritually, because God was their covering. God covered them. God shielded them from knowing evil. But now that they know of evil, he said, okay, you're not only have to be covered spiritually. Now you got to be covered naturally because now you're aware. Now you have a different perspective of life. And verse 22 says, and the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, knowing how to distinguish between good and evil. Whew. And now he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life as well and eat its fruit and live in this fallen, sinful condition forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent Adam away from the Garden of Eden to till and cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So God drove the man out and at the east of the garden of Eden, he permanently stationed the cherubim and the sword with the flashing blade, which turned round and round in every direction to protect and guard the way entrance access to the tree of life. So as you see, the beginning of us losing our freedom started with Adam and Eve being disobedient to God. Adam's instructions was to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God was shielding him from knowing what evil was. So the only thing that uh, man, Adam and Eve, was able to do 
was be good, is to be righteous. Why? Because they had no knowledge of the, the difference between good and evil. But because of their disobedience, now we, now we as a people, as humanity, mankind, and the last verse again, going back to Genesis 3, it says in verse, verse 22, again, it says, the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, knowing how to distinguish between good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life as well and eat its fruit and live in this fallen, sinful condition forever. Because of Adam's disobedience, and I want to establish the fact of Adam because God told Adam, he did not tell Eve. Adam relayed and communicated the message to Eve, but God told Adam. So therefore, because Adam, because Adam could have very well told Eve, no, God said we shall not eat it. And if Adam did not eat, then none of this would be... Um, nothing would have happened. They still would have lived in the Garden of Eden. They still would have been unaware of good and evil. But because Adam disobeyed, God established his commandment to Adam. He was disobedient. So therefore, now mankind fallen and in a sinful condition forever until, thank you, Holy Spirit, until what? And so God said, you know what? I'm going to send my only begotten son. I'm going to send because going back, it says the Trinity is who? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Sending his son, Jesus, as, as God in human flesh to die on the cross for our sins to be the redemption of our sins, to free us from sin. Free us from sin. Sin is, comes from the root of disobedience. When we are disobedient to God, we commit sin. As simple as that. People are like, how do I sin? Because you are not obeying God's commandments. God makes it very clear what he wants us to do. All throughout the word of God, especially in the Old Testament, he was making his statutes, which is his commandments, and his rules, his regulations known to the children of Israel. So that everything was clear about what he expected. So anytime we go against that, anytime we do the opposite of that, we are being disobedient to God, therefore committing sin. But Jesus comes, my God, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm sorry, let me backtrack. When God said that if you eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, you surely die. He was not just talking about naturally, he was talking about spiritually. Because Adam and Eve because they were free from sin, they were they had eternal life. Eternal life meaning living forever. So when God said you will surely die, he was saying that you will die naturally and spiritually, meaning that you will not live forever. 
that when your life here is, is done, that you will no longer live. Eternal life is life of um, spiritual life. Eternal life is talking about your spirit man living forever, your soul living forever, not talking about your natural self. And to read that this is how crafty the enemy is. He said, you will not surely die. He, they did not die instantly. Naturally, they, they still lived on naturally, but they were going to die. So he manipulated the word, the commandment, the instruction that God gave them to say, oh, you're not going to die because they didn't die physically right then and there, but they did die spiritually. If it wasn't for God's forgiveness, they would not have eternal life. But how did we regain our freedom after we fell from God's grace, after we disobeyed God and mankind disobeyed God? How did we regain our freedom? Adam brought forth destruction, but Jesus brought forth salvation. In Jesus, we have freedom, freedom from sin. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 19 in the Amplified Version. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all people, no one being able to stop it or escape its power because they all sinned. Sin was committed in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone when there is no law against it. Yet death ruled over mankind from Adam to Moses, the lawgiver, even over those who had not sinned as Adam did. Adam is a type of him, Christ, who, had, who was to come. But in reverse, Adam brought destruction. Christ brought salvation. 15 verse 15 says, but the free gift of God is not like the trespass because the gift of grace overwhelms the fall of man. For if many die by one man's trespass, Adam's sin, much more abundantly did God's grace and the gift that comes by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to benefit the many. Nor is the gift of grace like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment following the sin resulted from one trespass and brought condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift resulted from many trespasses and brought justification the release from sin's penalty for those who believe. For if by the trespass of the one Adam, death reigned through the one Adam, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in eternal life through the one Jesus Christ. So then as through one trespass Adam's sin, there results a condemnation for all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For just as through one man's disobedience, his failure to hear, his carelessness, the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous and acceptable to God and brought into right standing with him. So God saw saw and, and felt 
our pain. He said, you know what? He loves us so much because in the word of God, in John chapter three, verse 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So even though Adam brought forth destruction, the first man, God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins so that we can regain our freedom and receive eternal life once again, life that we once had before the fallen of man. And now we are regaining eternal life through salvation through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he shed his blood for you and me to free us from captivity to slavery, from sin. Jesus brought salvation. Salvation is basically to be free, released from the slavery and captivity of sin. We are free in Jesus through salvation. In John chapter 8, verse 34 through 36 in the Amplified Version, it says, Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, everyone who practices sin habitually is a slave of sin. Now the slave does not remain in a household forever. The son of the master does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, then you are unquestionably free. Jesus is saying that I have made you free. Why? Because he was the ultimate sacrifice. Because Jesus made the sacrifice, now we are free. God is paying the price in place of us. We committed the sin, but he's paying the price for our sins. So we don't have to suffer the consequences when we accept him into our life as our Lord and Savior. And we say, Lord, I accept you into my heart and I believe and I confess that you died on the cross of my sins. We say to Jesus and accept, whoo accept into our life and now he already paid the price we just have to accept him as our lord and savior god jesus paid the price he paid the price for our sins the verse 36 so if the son makes you free then you are un unquestionably free i love the way they put it you are unquestionably free there's no question about it. There's no if and buts about it. You are free through Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, one moment. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And then 1 through 4, and then going down to verse 7 through 11 in the Amplified Version, it says, there we go. Verse one through four, it says, um, the title says, escape from bondage. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law cannot do... The law is talking about the Old Testament, that the law was established in the Old Testament. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse three again says, for what the law cannot do, that is overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did 
He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, which I first read, it said in verse 26, Then God said, Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image, according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish and of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. God, when he first established and spoke out of his mouth for man, humanity to be created. He wanted us to be created in his image and a likeness to have his spiritual personality. But after the fall of man, our personality was skewed. It was changed. So God had to establish and send his only son, the man, one who is, is full of purity, innocence, to die for our sins so that our identity can be restored through Jesus Christ, through salvation. Our identity could be restored so that we can reclaim our freedom. Freedom from what? Sin. Does it say that we will never commit sin again? No, because we are flesh and blood. We will still commit sin, but we will no longer have to pay the price. No longer have to pay the price. Going back to Romans chapter 8. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In verse, in verse 1, it gives us, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment. For those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior, for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, our new being, that old self, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our new being, we are now a new creature. No longer are we of our old self, but we are a new creature. It says our new being has set you free from the law of sin of death. For what the law cannot do, that is overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Spirit. God did. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it and overcame it in the person of his own son. So that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness and our sinful nature, but live our lives in the ways of the spirit, guided by his power. Go down to verse 7 of Romans 8. It says, the mind of the flesh, mind of the flesh with with its sinful pursuits, is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law since it cannot. And those who are in the flesh living a life that caters to sinful appetites and impulses cannot please God. However, you are not living in the flesh controlled by the sinful nature, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. If Christ lives in you, though your natural body is dead because of sin. Ooh, 
Sarabaya. Your spirit is alive because of righteousness which he provides. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. God is saying to us that even though our man, our human flesh is dead because of the fall of man, Adam disobeying God. However, through Jesus Christ, because of the price that he paid for our sins, our, our man, our human flesh is dead, but our spirit man lives forever. That when this life here is over, because of the price that Jesus paid and because we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we will now have the benefit of living eternity. Therefore, we have regained our freedom through Jesus Christ. We are free through Jesus. We have regained our freedom through him. My God. So this is what I want to talk about now. I'm debating whether or not I was going to talk about it next week. But we have more time. Because this is the thing that God wanted me to also shed light on. It's tools on, on maintaining our freedom. Because it's one thing for us to be free by through salvation, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But it's another thing for us to maintain our freedom. The example that I want to give you is example um, that I, I one of my teachers, I don't remember exactly who it was, said that it's easy, it's easy to gain an A, but it's harder to keep an A. It's easy to study for a test and, you know, you, you gain an A, but it's harder to keep it. Why? Because the means it requires discipline. It means that it requires you to actually take the time out to make a schedule for yourself to understand that it's more knowledge that you're going to have to gain. And maybe you may not be um, knowledgeable in this area and you, it may take more discipline. It may take more hours of study. It may more take um, your tu getting a, a tutor because maybe you are good in fractions, but maybe you're not good when it comes to um, number placement. Maybe you were good when it comes to history or maybe um, you were good in, in learning American history, but you're not so good in learning world history. So it requires more of your time, it requires more of your discipline. So taking it back to freedom has Having freedom in Jesus Christ that yes, it is easy for us to take the make the decision to say, Lord, I accept you into my life as my Lord and Savior. But this life, this walk with Christ is not easy. To make a decision to choose to do what's right every single day. After we now have the knowledge of good and evil, why? Because Adam ate from the tree of good and evil. So now we have the knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, we have the choice to make, the free choice to make, to say, I'm going to choose to be righteous versus choosing to be evil. I'm going to choose to be obedient to God, be obedient to the commandments, be obedient to his instructions, be obedient to his directions. Versus choosing what is pleasing to my flesh. So it's easy to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To make that, that initial decision to say, I accept you to my heart. I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. But what about 
How do we maintain our freedom? How do we stay free? The scripture I want to go right, right quickly is Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 in the Amplified Version. It said, it was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. The word of God is saying that when you are free, it's important that you do not subject yourself to being a slave to sin again. Why? Because you were once removed from it. So it was important that you remain firm, remain steadfast. But what does firm mean? Being unmovable, that if I was standing in front of you right now, and if I was to push you, that you would not budge. That's what being firm means, that anything that tries to move you, anything that tries to skew you, anything that tries to manipulate you, anything that tries to persuade you from doing um, things that are not in the will of God, he said that you should be able to stand firm. Stand firm. Going back to Galatians, Stand firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. So how? How do we do that? How do we maintain our freedom? First and foremost, number one, prayer. Thank you, mommy. First and foremost, prayer. Prayer is, is, is important when it comes to maintaining our freedom. Why is our communication with God? It establishes our relationship with God. When we have a consistent prayer life, we, when we go to God in prayer, whether you're praying in the morning, in the noonday, in the evening, at night, you're constantly talking to God. You're telling him about your day. You're telling him about your desires. You're listening. You're not just prayer is talking about communication. Communication is listening and it's talking and listening. If you're just talking, 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 and you're not listening, that's not communication. Communication is a two-way street. I talk and I wait for a response. So and the more we talk to God and we learn how to sit still and listen for his instructions, listen for his wisdom on how to maintain a Christian lifestyle, how to maintain a, a righteous life with him, how to stay on a straight and narrow path. Prayer is needed. Matthew 26, verse 40. Do 41 in the NIV version, New International Version. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, specifically um, Peter, James, and John. He says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh, this stinking flesh right here is weak. The fact that we know the difference between knowledge of good and evil, it's weak. 
Yes, mommy. He could could you not wait for one hour? And I could be honest. I I love net, so I I can't even say that I can understand where they're from. If they was waiting, they probably was like, man, like how long is Jesus gonna be up on the hill praying? Like I can see, I can see them like falling asleep. But Jesus said you can't wait an hour. I listen, I listen, I probably would have fell asleep <laughs> if I was them. Like I can honestly say that. But it's important that we understand that it going back to that uh, verse 41 where it says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. What I want to focus on right here, it says watch and pray. When we're talking about watch, it means be aware. Have discernment. When you have discernment, you know the difference between good and evil. You know what's right and wrong. Watch for the enemy. Do not be deceived. Do not be manipulated by his tactics because he's a deceiver. He's a cheat. He will creep in. If you're not careful, then he has you. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. When we pray, we have communication with God and he will let us know when what to watch out for. He will let us know what to be aware of. It says the spirit is willing. Our spirit man is willing to be to be uh, submissive to God, to be surrendered to God. But our flesh, our flesh wants to do what is pleasing to our flesh. And that has nothing to do with God. Yes, mommy, I like nets. <laughs> we have to be aware. We have to be aware. So I'm going back to our tools. Again, tools on maintaining your freedom. Prayer is key. In our lifestyle, and our walk with Christ, prayer is key. Number two, obedience. Be obedient to God. Why is this important? Because the reason why um, it was the fall of man is because they could not simply follow instructions. God gave them one commandment. He said, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, I'm giving you all of these trees. I'm giving you all of these things to eat from. I'm setting you up. I mean, the Garden of Eden. But if I had a moment, I want you to go taking your own time. Read um, Genesis chapter two. It talks about the creation of um, God establishing and creating and forming the Garden of Eden. It talks about just different, the different four different rivers that are in the Garden of Eden. And each one had a special, um, a special um, trait that it, a special um, thing that they offered and they added into into the garden. It was beautiful. It had streets of gold. I mean, it was just beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, he set them up right. Everything they needed was in the Garden of Eden. And they forfeited that. Why? Because they could not simply be obedient to not eating from one tree when they had plenty to eat. It's important that we be obedient to God. God dishonors disobedience. He requires for us to be obedient to him. Because when we are disobedient to God, we commit sin. 
we already established that early in the podcast. When we when we are disobedient to God, we commit sin. And thank God that Jesus paid the price for our sins. But even then, thank God for repentance. We have to make sure that we repent of our sins. Just because Jesus paid, let me establish this. Just because Jesus paid the price for our sins does not mean we can just do whatever we want. No, it's still a requirement for us to be obedient to God. It's still a requirement. And every time we commit a sin, we still must repent. And true repentance means, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm remorseful of my sins, and I'm choosing to turn away from it, making a decision to not commit it again. Even though we all fall short in the glory of God, we have to make a conscious decision and be disciplined in our actions to say, I choose to be obedient to God. Even though I know, hmm, even though I know what's wrong, even though my flesh wants to do what's wrong, but I'm making the decision to be obedient to God and not to man, not to flesh, not to the enemy. God honors our obedience. The word of God says obedience is better than sacrifice. Yes, it's important that we make sacrifices for God, but God first and foremost tells us to be obedient to him. He established, already established his statutes, establishes commandments. He establishes instructions. God never puts us in a position where we are unaware of what to do. He never puts us in a position for us to be unaware of what is right. He always tells us, now whether we choose to be obedient to that is our choice. He gave us free choice, free will. So it's important for us to be obedient to God. Be obedient to God. Yes, mommy, God honors obedience. So let's go to Romans chapter 6, verse 15 through 23. I'm going to read from the Amplified, I mean, NIV version, excuse me. The title says, Slaves to Righteousness. It says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves you are slaves of the one you obey whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness but the thing but thanks be to god excuse me that though you used to be slaves to sin you have come to obey your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at at that time for the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So God requires for us to be obedient and the the reward of being obedient is eternal life. Living a lifestyle of holy, a holy lifestyle, living a life righteous lifestyle is important to God. 
because it, it shows God that we choose to be holy. We choose to be righteous. We choose to be set apart all for him because we could choose to do what's pleasing to our flesh but we say god no i choose to follow you i choose to be set apart i choose that when everybody is doing what's wrong god i choose to be surrendered Ooh, i choose to be set apart god that even though it's a struggle god even though my flesh wants to go one way i choose to do what's right and even though I still struggle in this sin, God, I'm not going to give up. God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue along this path and I'm going to depend on your strength because the word of God says we established last week in Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Being self-sufficient in God's sufficiency. We are dependent on Christ, his strength. We can't do it in our own strength. The problem with lies is when we try to do things in our own strength. People say, oh, well, you know, and then they give up and they say, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to backslide or I'm just going to stay in this thing because I can't do it. You know why you can't do it? Because you, you're depending on your own strength. You're not depending on Jesus. You're not praying enough. You're not saying, Lord, strengthen me. You're not making sure that you do the necessary things to stay free. Because like I said, it's one thing for you to be free by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But it's another thing to remain free. It's our responsibility to remain free. We can't blame God. We can't blame Jesus. The price, the price has already been paid. But we children of God, have to make the choice that I'm going to take responsibility to make sure that I remain free. It's not going to happen just by, you know, without, without us doing anything. It's going to take work. But what's the reward in it all? Eternal life. I don't know about you, but eternal life is, is worth me um, being obedient. Eternal life is worth me choosing to do what's right. That even when my stinking flesh wants to go maybe to a party, but God says, no, I need you to, um, I need you to um, fast or I need you to consecrate in this moment. And even though I want to hang out with my friends, but God says, no, I want you to spend more time with me. I'm going to surrender myself. Why? Because God is looking out for me. He's covering me because maybe he's telling me to spend more time with him because he knows what lies ahead. And he needs my spirit man to be surrendered. He needs my spirit man to be more sensitive to his voice so that when whatever is lying ahead, that I am spiritually equipped, that I am spiritually ready so that whatever temptation is going to come my way, that I foresee and that I have discernment to foresee it and that I will not fall in temptation and fall into the pleasures of the flesh. Why? Because God has forewarned me that I have, that I have his strength because I'm dependent on him. And because I was obedient to his instructions, because God said, Lord God, even though I want to do what my flesh told me to do, but God, I will be obedient to do, be obedient to you. Why? Because you know what's best for me. You paid the price for me. My reward is in heaven. Our ultimate reward is in heaven. What we need to stop doing, people of God, is, is being so concerned about what we're going to gain on earth. 
This is not our permanent home. It's not our permanent home. Those who are believers, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is not our permanent home. As the word of God says that our our um, our flesh is already dead. Our natural man is already dead. But when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, our spirit man will live forever. When this life here is over, we will be seated in heavenly places with our Father, Heavenly Father, the one who created us. Our reward is in heaven. All God requires us to do is to be obedient. He requires for us to be obedient to him. Is it difficult? Yes, it is. Because our flesh naturally wants to do what is pleasurable to our flesh. And the things of God is not pleasurable to our flesh. It's pleasurable to our spirit man. But it's worth it. It's worth it to please God, to know that everything I do to, to be in right standing with God, I will reap the rewards in heaven that I'm I'm not just doing this just to get in heaven. That I, I don't know about you, but I it talks about us receiving our crown. There are different crowns that we receive because of what we have done on earth. Everything we do on earth, we will be reaping it in heaven. Some things we're going to receive here and some and everything else we're going to receive in heaven. So I'm not doing this. Yes, the house and the car and, and, and the money is great. But having eternal life is better than rubies and gold. It's better than silver. It's better than all the money in the world. To have eternal life. God requires our obedience. Again, we're talking about tools on maintaining our freedom. Number three, be planted and rooted in the word of God. Be planted and rooted in the word of God, the word of God is our is our manual. If you follow me, I always talk about how the word of God is our manual. What good is it for you to have a car and you don't even know how to drive it? You don't even know the different functionalities that it has. You don't even know um, what um, certain uh, buttons um, do. You don't even know where the, the trunk button is. You don't even know where the gas um the gas door button is. You don't even know what some of the things that are in the um the under the hood. You don't even know where to put the oil at. You don't even know where to put the power um steering fluid at. You don't know where um the tools at. If you get a flat tire, you don't even know where your spare tire is. And um, I don't know the Zap tool, but um the tool that helps your car to get up so that you can change your tire. You don't know these things. All of those things are in the manual of your car. God has given us this word, this word of God, his word. So that we can know every single thing that we need to maintain a righteous lifestyle and live a holy life. To be obedient to him. But we are not being planted and rooted in his word. That means we have to read every single day. And guess what, y'all? It's no excuse. The word of God is available to us. There are people in other countries 
that don't have access to the word of God, that don't have access to paperback Bibles, that don't have access to phones to even download the free Bible app. But we Americans especially have the access to have phones where you can download the Bible app, which is free. Going to the dollar store, they have Bibles that are a dollar in a, in a dollar store. There is just so many in different places they give the word of God out freely as donations. The word of God is access to us and we don't take advantage of it. This is our manual. This is what is going to help us daily to walk this life. This life that is requiring for us to be holy. Let's go to John chapter 8. Verse 31 through 32. In the Amplified Version, it says, the title says, the truth will make you free. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. When we abide in God, abide in God's word. When we constantly and continually obeying his teachings, making sure that we are reading his word, making sure that we are aware at all times of what his teachings are so that we know that um, what's right and evil. Then he said, you will know the truth. That we are not going to be manipulated by the enemy. Why? Because we know the truth. The word of God talks about us um, allowing the word to study the word to show ourselves approved. Study the word to show ourselves approved. And important that we study the word so that in moments, it might be moments where we don't have as much access to the word of God as we do now. It might be moments we will not will not even be able to have. What if they take the Bible app off of the of the phones? What if they don't allow Bibles to be in in the stores like they they do freely now, like they already do in, in certain third world countries? If we study, take the time to study the Word as we're supposed to, we'll have scriptures embedded in our heart. We'll have it branded in our heart. That if we study, studying the meanings that you study it and that you're not just memorizing it, that you are reading it, that you are meditating on it, that you are getting it established into your heart and actually applying the word to your life. That's what studying the word of God means. That when you study for a test, what good is it for you to just remember? Oh, let me just remember these these words or remember that um like say you had a vocabulary test and you just remembered how to spell the words. But what about that you actually uh study just the um or try to memorize it or did you actually study it? Actually, those who are oh thank you, Holy Spirit, those who are in spelling bees, they not only study how to spell a word, but they study the definition of the word. Because there are words that they may sound the same, but they are spelled the same. There, T-H-E-R-E, T-H-E-I-R, T-H-E-Y, apostrophe R-E, they all sound the same phonics, 
but they all have different meanings. And this is why they ask for the definition. If they say there, okay, can you give me the definition? They can't give you the spelling, but they can say, all right, there, they are. Then they will know, okay, this is what they're trying to get me to spell. It's important that we study for comprehension's sake, for actually knowing it and actually applying it to our lives instead of just trying to memorize it just to say, oh, I know the word. Do you know it? Do you actually apply it to your life? Or are you just knowing it so you can say that, oh, I'm a Bible scholar, but you don't do nothing with it. You're not actually utilizing the word of God to benefit you in your life. That's what the word of God is for. It said the truth will set you free. Next one, tools to maintain our freedom. Number four, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. God talks about that he sent his only son and he he forgave us of our sins. But have you forgiven yourself? Are you still living in um, in condemnation, condemning yourself of your sins after God already said it, I've forgiven you, that Jesus already paid a price for your sins? Have you actually forgiven yourself? If you don't forgive yourself, the enemy will use that against you and cause you to have the spirit of, um, the spirit of shame on you. You'll have the spirit of guilt on you. And he'll even convince you sometimes to even commit suicide, try to commit suicide because you're so shameful of the sins that you have already been forgiven for. Forgive yourself. Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, Amplified Version. <clears throat> it says, be kind and helpful to one another. Tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God and Christ also forgave you. <clears throat> so it's important that if you are showing others, because we, the word of God says, treat others, love others as you love yourself. So if I'm forgiving somebody else, then I'll forgive myself. The reason why I'm not forgiving others is because I haven't forgiven myself. It all, it all goes round and round. If I'm forgiving other people, then I'll forgive myself. You can't honestly say that you forgive others, but you haven't forgiven yourself. It doesn't work that way because the word of God says, love others as you love yourself. If you're not forgiving yourself, you won't forgive other people. And it's important that you forgive yourself. Why? Because God is already forgiving you. He's already forgiving you. Number five, guard your gates. Guard your gates, your eyes, your mouth, your ears, and your feet gate. When we're talking about guarding your gates. Make sure you watch, watch what you uh, look at. Watch how you speak. Watch what you're listening to. And watch where you go. When I was in my study time and I saw that, I was like, wow, the way they broke that down. Watch what you're looking. Watch what you're watching, looking at. Watch how you speak out of your mouth. Watch what you are listening to and watch where you're actually going. In Proverbs chapter 4, 
verse 20 through 23, excuse me, through 27 in, in New Living Translation, NLT, <clears throat> it says, <clears throat> guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Watch their profanity. Watch your gossip. This is not a word. I'm just paraphrasing. Watch the gossip. Watch how you're talking about people. Watch what you say out of your mouth. Verse 24 again says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Verse 25 says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Make sure you are focusing on God. That you're not looking to the left and to the right. No, look ahead. What does God have you to do in this in this season? What is God telling you to look forward to? When you start looking to your left and to your right, that means you're not focused. That means you focus on everything else. You're being distracted. The enemy will bring distractions your way so that you are not doing his will. That so, And then also, watch out for him, those distractions, because they can cause the spirit of procrastination to be upon you. So now that you're distracted, now that you're looking at everything else, you are um, procrastinating doing the will of God. And maybe God has given you a certain time to get it done. Talking to myself too. Now verse 26 is mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Stay on the safe path. Verse 20 says, don't get the sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Watch where you go. You can't go everywhere. When you, you when you make the decision to, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you made a decision to be set apart. Therefore, you can't be in every um, atmosphere. Therefore, you have to watch. You can't be at every function. You can't even go to every church. You have to watch where you go to protect your spirit man, to guard your gates. To watch what you are listening to. Don't allow yourself to participate in gossip because not only um, when it says in verse 24, again, it says avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Avoid all perverse talk. It's talking about what you say out of your mouth. Then it says stay away from corrupt speech. Talking about what you listen to. Are you actually receiving that into your spirit, man? Don't be afraid to be like, no, I'm good. Like, I, I don't want to listen to that. Say it out of love, but let them know, no, I'm not participating in it. I'm not going to participate in it because I'm protecting myself. And lastly, accountability partners are so important. When you are trying to maintain your freedom, accountability partners are key. To make sure that you have somebody in your life that's going to let you know, hey, you what you're doing is wrong. Let you know that, hey, sis, hey, bro, like, listen, this is not the way. And it's going to pray for you. That's going to encourage you. That's not going to just, you know, be trying to um, be a yes man to you. No, they're going to let you know. Especially if you let them know that, hey, I need you to hold me accountable. They're going to let you know. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, in the Amplified Version says, But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. 
And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. So it says, is this the scripture, Holy Spirit? One moment, guys. I don't believe that was the scripture, but okay, it was, sorry. Um, but it says, again, it says, but I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. So, and then I was reading another version earlier, and it's basically saying to confess your sins to another person. It's important that we confess our sins. That anytime we do something that is not like God, that we tell on ourselves, expose the enemy, expose the enemy that if you fall short of God's glory, that th those accountability partners that you establish in your life, that you go to them, say, hey, I know that I said that I was not going to get in contact with my ex, but they texted me the other day and we hooked up. Because when you go to them, it's not about because the enemy likes for you to, to be in secrecy. He likes for you to keep it because secrecy is also leads to being shameful, leads to being guilty. Because you notice back when we was talking about when Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God, and they were exposed now to what was good and evil, the difference between good and evil, they hid themselves. They took fig leaves and they sold them together, and then they went in hiding. When we commit sin, our flesh naturally wants to hide. Why? Because we know we have been disobeyed, we have been disobedient to God. Therefore, we want to hide ourselves because we're ashamed and we feel guilty of our wrongdoings. So when we expose the enemy, say, listen, confess our sins and tell them, tell them to our accountability partners. And then we go to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Make sure you deal with that thing right then and there. Repent for your sins and say, Lord, God, forgive me. And say, Lord, I commit myself and I'm not going back to that again. And God will give you the strength to get back up and try again. Because the word of God says, well, all we all fall short of God's glory. He never said that we won't commit sin again, sin again. But it's important that we don't stay in it. It's important that we don't stay in it. So again, to maintain our freedom. <coughs> excuse me. To maintain our freedom, tools of maintaining our freedom. Number one, prayer. Prayer, communicate with God every single day, multiple times a day. That's key. Number two, be obedient to God. Number three, be planted and rooted in the word of God. Number four, forgive yourself. Number five, guard your gates, your eye gates, your mouth, your um, mouth gates, your ear gates, and your feet gates. Watch where you go. And number six, Make sure you have accountability partners that will hold you accountable for your actions. So I pray that everybody was encouraged and uplifted tonight that 
it's important that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you can um, regain, reclaim your freedom. But it's also important that you know how to remain free. It's our responsibility as we're believers to remain free, to make sure that we take the necessary tools, apply it to our lives so that we do not subject ourselves to falling into temptation. I pray that you learned something tonight. I pray that you take these tools and actually apply it to your lives, that you declare and decree that you are free. Why? Because you are. We are free through salvation. We are free through Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the price so that we can regain our freedom, free from sin, meaning that our spirit man will now have eternal life. Because Jesus got the keys of death from the enemy. So what the enemy thought he had, we regain our, our identity has been stored in Jesus Christ. So with that being said, if you're ready to make a decision tonight to reclaim your freedom, if you know that you have been bound in your mind, if you know that you have been, been just been bound with negative thoughts, been bound with um, senseless relationships, been bound with senseless talking, you just like, wow, I, I just feel like I'm like I'm captive. I free I feel like that I'm not free. That I'm making these decisions. And yeah, they get me a sense of gratification. But then after I do it. I feel guilty. I feel like I'm bound. I feel like I don't have control over my actions. I feel like I'm subjected to this to this life. If you want to be free today, free from sin, free from condemnation, free. I encourage you to say this prayer of salvation with me. You can gain your freedom today through Jesus Christ. He paid the price for you and me. For you to have life eternally. That when this life here is over, this natural life, you will, re you will have eternal life sitting in heavenly places with the Father. I encourage you to say this prayer with me. Repeat after me with your hands raised and surrendering to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I have fallen from under your grace and that I have fallen short of your glory. I know that I am a sinner and I need you, Jesus, in my life. I ask you, Jesus, that you come into my life be my Lord and Savior. I accept you into my heart and I confess it out of my mouth that you rose on the, that you buried, you died, you were buried, and you rose on the third day just for me so that my life can, so I can have eternal life and be free from all price, from all guilt, from all penalty of sin. I thank you, Jesus paying a price just for me. I surrender my life to you. I will serve you for the rest of my days. Renew my mind. Cleanse me, wash me, make me whole. 
and I will forever serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You pray that prayer of salvation and welcome into the body of Christ. Hallelujah. 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 To God be the glory. Guess what? Say, I am free. You are free. The fact that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are free. You are free. And this is what I need for you to do. Those tools that we talked about today, about maintaining our freedom, make sure you write those down. And you actually apply it to your life. Because I tell you this, not going to lie to you. This life is not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And you're going to need the tools that I've given you tonight to maintain your freedom. Make sure you pray to God. Don't make it feel like you have to pray an hour. Start off with five minutes. A conversation with God. Say, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for my life. Lord, I thank you for strength. Just talking to him, being thankful. Start off for five minutes, and I guarantee you, the more you talk to God, the more you will want, the longer you will want to talk to him. So I encourage you to use those tools to maintain your freedom. But you are free today. You're free. You have a new life. All those old things are behind you. To God be the glory. One last call. For those of you that have had a relationship with Christ at some point in your life, and you realize that you've strayed away from the things of God and you have given into pleasuring your flesh more than pleasing God, and you've given up on yourself, You've given up on living a life, a righteous life. You've given up on pleasing God and you, you, you stepped out of from God and you've been hiding from him. Why? Because you filled the life of guilt and shame. But you know that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior at some point, that he freed you from that. And the word of God said, we read it in the word of God tonight, that it says, don't go back. Don't go back to what you were freed from. So if you want to regain your freedom today, if you want to live a life free from guilt, free from shame, free from, um, I'm just going back to my definition, free from judgment, free from humiliation. If you want to live that life again, I encourage you to come back to Jesus. Come back to him. He's waiting for you with open arms, waiting for you to make the commitment again, waiting for you to come back home to him. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you said. As long as you're ready to make a commitment to him again. I encourage you to say this prayer rededication with me with hands raised and surrender to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, God, for turning my back on you. I'm sorry for allowing myself to please my flesh more than pleasing you. I'm sorry, God, for for hiding from you. I'm sorry, God, for going back to 
my old ways, for going back to the old way of thinking, to the old lifestyle. And God, I realize that none of that, none of that, God, that I have went back to has been any good for me. But I know without a shadow of doubt that when I was living the righteous life, that I had joy, that I had peace, that I had strength because of you, Jesus. So Jesus, I ask that you come back into my life and be my savior once again, so that I can have my freedom once again, free from sin, and I can regain the reward of having eternal life once more. I surrender myself to you, Jesus, for real this time. And I commit myself to not going back again. I thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me, for giving me another chance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer of rededication and welcome back into the body of Christ, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for all the things that he has done. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to get Instagram back here. For all the things that he has done, be encouraged, be uplifted. Make sure that you continue to stay connected to this platform. We are available on I on Facebook. I am Imperfectly Perfect Incorporated. On Instagram, I underscore am underscore Imperfectly Perfect. And podcast platforms, all podcast platforms, Spotify, Google Pla- Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, so much more is available to you. So if you want to go back and listen to this again and you're like, wait, I might have missed the beginning or I maybe came in in the middle and maybe I couldn't watch the end. Trust me, it's going to be available to you to watch the replay. Make sure that you take those tools down, write them down, put them on your wall and make sure you put that. Add to your affirmations that say with me. I am free. I am free. I love you guys so much. Be encouraged and be uplifted. Until next time on Imperfectly Perfect Live, I will see you guys next week. Have a great night.